Hello, fellow movie lovers, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we examine Hollywood's redheaded stepchildren. As a redheaded stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie Johnson. And I'm Andy Bowell. And today we're pulling back Hollywood's crypt to review 1999's Christopher Lambert starring Beowulf. And let's get it right out of there. Did this make you miss Baron Munchausen? Oh my god, I think it did. It super did for me. Like, I was sitting there, like, retroactively being like, it, Terry Gilliam wasn't that bad. The man had passion. The man had ideas. The man had a budget. Like, I bet if if that wound up being the next movie we were going to have to watch, we would think of it much favorably in comparison. Yeah, but I'm still glad we don't have to go back and rewatch Baron Munchausen. I mean, sure. Fair. <laughs> it's just Alex told me before recording that I seemed very unexcited about this movie, and that's very, very accurate. Well, sure, especially when, like, I think I prefaced the end of the last episode being like, this is very bad. (laughs) It is very bad. So you've seen it before. I saw this as, like, a little kid, like an eight-year-old or maybe maybe even, like, it came out in 99. So, so yeah, like a seven or an eight-year-old. And I absolutely only saw this movie because my dad was a fan of Highlander and was like, Oh, this has Christopher Lambert. And it's like this, I know Beowulf. This looks like some weird sci-fi version of Beowulf. Let's get this from the local blockbuster. Cause that's a thing you would do. Oh, absolutely. I cannot, I have so many memories in my head of my sister driving us to the blockbuster down the street because my best friend and I were having a sleepover and that was just what you did on a Friday night in the 90s. Right, absolutely. So for those of you who missed the movie, Beowulf is the ancient Danish epic poem about a uh, village beset by a terrible monster that attacks every night and the hero Beowulf, who comes into town, defeats Grendel, fights a dragon, and no, no, becomes... no, no. An- oh, Andy, no? Andy, Andy, no, that's that's the that's the epic poem. Uh, I see what I did. Yeah, no, this is this is the movie where they do like twenty percent of that. And then they fuck off and decide they're going to have their own plot. Right. Like it, uh, it, it, they, they keep the names and they keep the loosest general sense of the plot. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. And we make fun, but yes, there is Grendel. He's not called Grendel until the last 20 minutes of the movie. There is Beowulf. You know, he, he 
doesn't look like any Beowulf I've ever seen, though. <laughs> oh, you you never uh, you never saw the depiction of of Beowulf with uh, dyed white hair, dual wielding crossbow pistols. <laughs> no, I have never seen the version of Beowulf where Beowulf looks like Spike from Buffy's less attractive older brother. You've never seen the version of Beowulf where Grendel's mother is a literal playboy bunny with um, (laughs) pleated blonde hair who like comes to Hrothgar in his dreams every night in a shirt that covers her entire chest except for her nipples. You've never seen the Beowulf where... This same person is also Grendel's mother, but has a weird obsession with licking people's noses. So I actually got an idea of what that's about. Okay. Yeah, so several points in the movie, Grendel's mother visits Hrothgar in his dreams. But like, this is a... This is a PG-13 shitty 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 90s movie and so they can't they can't do anything to denote sex other than have this beautiful actress uh straddle a fully clothed man who is like asleep because the whole deal's like she's giving him dreams and shit and so like the only shorthand they can't have her kiss him because his mouth is closed. He's not going to kiss back. And so I think they were just like, what's the most erotic thing we can do that isn't actually erotic and will not get us in trouble with the censors. Lick his nose, lick his nose. Like it is the fountain of youth or something. The, the nose licking is egregious. It happens twice. Yeah. And not twice, like, in one scene. Like, she licks his nose, then licks somewhere else, then goes back to his nose. Like, no, no, it happens two separate times. Because it was the only thing they could do. Like, I was almost pretty sure they reused some of the footage from the first sex scene for the second one. (laughs) But sex in quotation marks because it's not a sex scene. Right. The only actual sex scene is... Uh, chastely performed off camera uh, because the actress who played Kyra Rona Mitra had a better agent and was like yeah no I'm not doing nudity in this movie you're lucky I'm in this movie period (laughs) (laughs) you're lucky I have deigned to be in this film so we've danced around it this was abysmally bad it was horrible it was get up and make a sandwich bad. It was make dinner during it because you're not going to miss anything bad. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this the second worst movie we've seen? Would you the rather... The second worst. Like, I'm going, I'm going right into it. Would you rather watch Blood for Dracula or Beowulf? Oh... I don't know. <laughs> it might be a tie. I I actually put this on the same level as Toxie. Okay. I okay. Think. So the rung above. Interesting. 
Why? Where would you rather watch I would, I, Blood for Dracula? As I was watching it, I was sitting here saying I would rather watch Blood for Dracula. <gasps> because Wow. So here's my main thing. In Blood for Dracula, I care about Dracula for the first five minutes. You know, when he's sitting true. at the mirror and before you actually see the movie. True, 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 true. I don't care about anybody in Beowulf for a second. I do not care about them. What? You mean you don't care about any of the characters who give nothing performances? Absolute nothing burger. Absolutely. What are you doing in this Mac from Night Court? Who did you owe money to that you're in three (laughs) scenes of Beowulf? As the the famous character of Weapons Master. <laughs> Not even named. No, no. Just Weapons Master. Just Weapons Master. We'll name your nephew. He's never going to make another movie after this, but we'll name his role. Yeah. So, like, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, it's... So, the, I mean, the biggest thing is, like, it's been a minute since we watched Blood for Dracula. Oh so, God. like... I'm trying to really remember the awfulness. And mm-hmm. and that's that's the one that invented get up and make a sandwich bad. I don't know. Like like I, I, I think I think I asked you at the top of this we can agree Baron Munchausen was better than this. Oh absolutely. So that clearly makes us a bottom three movie. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think Toxie is better than this. Yes, that I absolutely agree with. I'm I'm realizing, friend, I have a pretty sad realization. Did you hit record? Oh, no. Yes. No, we're recording. Hi, oh, every, everyone. Okay, Hello. No, I thought that was like you telling me. Okay, so sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll, I'll take it again. What have you realized? I think if we're going to keep playing this game, we might have to rewatch Blood for Dracula and see if it's as good as we're making it out to be or if we just have rosy glasses on for halcyon days gone by i don't wanna but i understand what you're saying i mean we don't have to certainly no one's making us (laughs) this is our damn podcast we do what we want i'm i'm open to the possibility like I think the thing that really sinks it for me is like as bad as blood for Dracula is Mm. and as slapped together as it was. And as like actually legally criminal, it was (laughs) they, they at least they at least were trying to do something. It wasn't good. Mm -hmm. But they were trying, they were trying to use up the rest of the money that they randomly had. They were trying <laughs> to maybe make a black comedy about Dracula and it just never came across as a black comedy. Beowulf, they don't, I don't get a sense that they're trying to do a damn thing. They're, they're trying to get a few people who liked the 1997 Mortal Kombat movie to like 
give a few of their dollars to this thing because it's got Christopher Lambert and like swords. The enemy is at the gate, but the real terror is within. Okay, it felt like science fiction alternate reality bingo. Yes. Like, you could have just been like, yep, check, 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 check. Insert hot widow character. Insert creepy, seductive woman who's actually evil. Insert random fight scenes that don't make sense. (laughs) Oh, you mean the entire besieging army that just mm-hmm. gets up and leaves halfway through the movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the straight-ass razor blade of a guillotine that just, like, cuts people in half for no good reason? The weirdest guillotine. We have to talk about what the fuck is up with this guillotine. Because, yeah, you're, you're right. It literally just looks like a giant... It looks dull. It looks dull as all hell. Uh, a giant, dull, straight razor that, like, comes together in a weird winching situation. <laughs> Marie Antoinette saw this and went, No thanks, I'll take the other one. Yeah, the other one at least, like... It, 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 it at least looks like it's fast. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That one guy lost a hand really, really fast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, yeah. And like, you talk about like, we, we were talking so much about how this doesn't, they, they very purposefully and clearly did not put this in a specific time. Yeah. Because I think they just, they wanted to like, skirt around the like making an actual medieval movie and they wanted to have like modern day ish costumes although there's still some people running around in armor and like okay there's a castle but the castle has like this weird claw sticking out of the tower and spouts fire and there was no good there's a loudspeaker system um, so technology is really hit or miss in this. So there's a loudspeaker system. Um, there's some, uh, really cool, interesting weapons that you're like, well, I know for sure that didn't exist back in medieval times. Yeah. And the vernacular that specifically the weapons keepers. Nephew. nephew yeah, Will. The famous character Will. of Will. God bless Will. He just seemed like he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to talk however I want. Because he's using some really modern slang and everyone else is kind of like trying to be anachronistic. Not anachronistic because that means not with the time, but chronistic, like with the time. Right. And he's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to sound modern as hell. Yeah, Will is very much trying to be... um the sidekick from Die Hard, the dude who sits in the limo the whole time. He thought he was going to be getting to be in that, and instead he was in this, and this was so bad, and he was so bad in it that, like, he quit acting, as best I can tell. (laughs) 
I don't I I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. There was after somebody watching this. There was there was the guy in Crybaby who quit acting after that movie and we were like, oh why, you were good, and this isn't that. <laughs> no, um This movie I remembered this this might be the first movie, like it certainly stuck in my memory. I remembered it instantly. Um this might be the movie that I became aware of the concept that a movie could be bad. Oh, that's like, this might be what this is. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, like not just, I don't like it, not just I'm a kid and I don't understand it, but I'm a kid and I actively recognize this is bad. Oh, interesting. And I didn't have the Mystery Science Theater gang to spoof over it with me. So I just like washed it <laughs> once and was like, ah, this movie existed. Like, I'm not going to repeat myself. This movie existed because of Mortal Kombat and Highlander. And like somebody was like, we need to capitalize on these things. We can we can squeeze a little bit of money, I think. And that person was wrong. But... Like, it just starts bad off the top. There, This thing opens with three title cards from three different production companies that I've never heard of. And then Dimension Films, which I have heard of, but, like, has just as many bad Nightmare on Elm Street sequels as good movies. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> oh, I okay, I see the bar we're setting here is very low. Can this movie pass it? No. No, it super doesn't. It doesn't make it over the hurt at all. The coolest thing so, about this movie is the uh, opening 30 second, like, video game rock and roll graphic that comes up. Title card, Beowulf. Beowulf. Speaking of, thank you for nerring. Uh, the music is so bad. The music is atrociously bad. <laughs> the music is bad. The sound is bad. The costumes are awful. It's just... Ugh. My favorite thing about the music, because it legitimately made me laugh, is how, like, in the moments where Grendel's mother is seducing Hrothgar... A, a, you know, a, a soft core nineties porn rock soundtrack just sort of like pops into existence as she starts dry humping him. And I just had to sit <laughs> and be like, really? Oh, oh, we're really doing this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you already did an impression of the opening metal. Can you please do an impression of the 90s softcore porn? Like it wasn't as jazzy like <laughs> like stereotypical softcore porn. It's It wasn't that. Andy, it's porn, it's not Seinfeld. Uh fair. <laughs> I will own that. What? I I love you. Are you watching Seinfeld porn? Because I'm worried about the kind of porn you're watching, I'm friend. I'm super not. 
and no one's around to check my search history to prove that. <laughs> Texting Mariah now. <laughs> I don't have a crush on Julia Louis Dreyfus. No, you're not married to a curly-haired, dark-haired woman who's about five four. You know, I truly don't have a crush on Julia Louis Dreyfus, but I see your point. <laughs> yeah, actually, Mariah is quite a bit taller than five four, so never mind. Eh. But speaking of dark-haired women, can we please talk about how this movie starts with a woman almost being cut in half? Yeah, because that's bad for a lot of ways. So, surround me! Come on, surround me! Come on! Woo! My goodness! So, did you recognize her? Um, yes, but in a way where I was like, "You've probably been in something." Moves on. Been in a lot of things. So, so that is, I, I had to look it up. That's the character of Pendra who was played by that girl, Patricia Velasquez, who's been in a bit of everything, including um, That's an Ox in a Moon from The Mummy. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at you starting your career, because why else would you be in this? <laughs> an Ox in a Moon runs out of the castle screaming and is instantly, like, like just assaulted. Like, not even in a in a a sexually violent way but in a just violently violent way like she straight up gets cold clocked five minutes into the movie and i'm sitting here going oh this is okay (laughs) just casual violence against women she is the first character to die followed very promptly by a black character so you know it's great you know it's great and not only does she die she is she is nearly sacrificed upon the slow straight razor guillotine machine. <laughs> but not before her shirt is ripped open. But not all the way. Because again, PG-13. We can't show tits. We can, only yeah. show, we can only show tits under one specific circumstance. And we can't just rip her shirt off. Which, I mean, I guess I'll take it as a positive. But instead, you know, they, they rip open her shirt at the stomach. And it's like, okay, midriff. Well, and they open it up for no reason because when we we see when the guy cuts through his hand, it's like, well, that was very clearly strong. Fabric's not going to stop it. And it's not like her shirt was that thick. So just very strange. And we get a, a super cheesy rescue sequence from Beowulf. And then, like, this kind of made me laugh, too. Like, he's riding back to the castle, and she's like, oh, we're going back there? Nope. Fuck it. Nope. And the fuck out of this. And runs back to the army who just, like, chop her head off or something. Yeah, I'm like, what logic is in your head, boo? Like, what did you think they were going to do? Suddenly be like, oh, we forgive you for leaving us with our straight razor murder machine. We like you now. We're going to make you queen. Well... They make it pretty clear that, like, they think everyone from the castle is evil, which makes it really weird that they just leave randomly. But they make it clear they think everyone from the castle is, like, demon-possessed and shit. But then, like, let's turn this the other way around. The second time, they're just, like, no nonsense, just, like, chop, okay, mission done. And you didn't do that the first time. What's with the pageantry? 
I mean, I guess if you have a giant shitty guillotine, you need to use it so that you can convince yourself it wasn't a bad investment, but. Oh, oh no. You know what their giant shitty guillotine machine makes me think of? What? It's like when you're a kid and your parents are buying you like school clothes and maybe this is one of those, oops, this is a poor kid story that I didn't realize was a poor kid story. But it's like, you buy your shoes for the year and they're like, we're going to get you some to grow into. So like, we're going to get it like a size and a half bigger so you can wear them for longer. They're like, well, we have this guillotine machine. We might as well use it. Get all the use we can out of it. We need to actually dull it down. Oh, no. I think the thing is, I got a sense halfway through this movie that it was made with a toy line in mind. Wait, what? Like, I... here. Here's what I think happened. I think a bunch of executives were like, Mortal Kombat selling like hotcakes. Yeah, and it sells video games, and, and oh, they're selling toys of it now. Huh. I want to sell toys. Like, I can imagine a universe, you know what it is? I can imagine they're watching Star Wars, and they're watching George Lucas become a millionaire just off action figures. And they're like, oh, people are stupid. They'll buy anything. Let's make something that looks really cool. Who cares if it's any good or not? It'll look really cool. And if nothing else, we'll sell toys. Because, like, Beowulf looks cool with his stupid sword, which is also a mace and has, like, a weird trigger thing. And his dual-wielding crossbows. And, like, the armor looks cool enough in that cheap B-movie kind of way. And you've got people walking around with buzzsaw swords. Um, I bet they were like, yeah, we're going to make a play set of Beowulf fighting the besieging army. And like the, the guillotine will be the big set piece and we'll package it with the executioner and his stupid, bad skull mask that doesn't block an arrow because that guy gets an arrow right in his head. <laughs> yup. And we'll make, we'll make toys and you'll notice conspicuously. I didn't say Grendel looks cool because Grendel looks fucking bad. <laughs> Grendel looks, Grendel's like the aliens in signs where until you see them, you're they're fucking terrifying. And then you see them and you're like, you look dumb. I don't, like, tell me when you actually ever saw him. Because the version I watched the entire time, there is this god-awful late 90s CGI smoke that just swirls around the dude. And I get the logic <laughs> of... I get the logic of let's let's cover our bad costume, but I guarantee you it would have looked cooler. Like his arms looked cool. The the I imagine yeah. he would have looked all right, but somebody had the idea of, oh no, we need to cover him in this awful, unseeable black CGI haze. <laughs> 
Well, when you first see his hands, like just his hands, sure. that's all. Yeah. It's super spooky. Um, but you're right. He's got the CGI haze and then his mom eventually turns into like this Doctor Who knockoff character. Yeah, like I don't I don't remember what Grendel's mother is supposed to look like in the original epic song, epic poem. I mm. remember they made the Angelina Jolie Beowulf movie and then she's like this gold dragon woman thing. And that was fine. I was all right with that. But this just weird spiky confusing to look at she looked like something out of mirror mask <laughs> and i say <laughs> that in a bad way but in a yeah <sighs> sorry i just went down a whole other tangent where i looked up visual representations of grendel's mother oh no how many of them have their tits out <laughs> Actually, not. I mean, I'm on the Wikipedia page, so not oh, that many. All right. Um, but there is argument that Grendel's mother is beautiful and turns into a monster. Mm. So there is one painting that's very like pre-Raphaelite, where she's in one of those long white flowy dresses, and her hair is red, and her arms are long and lithe. Sure. And then I'm like, okay, then she turns into the monster, or... What are we trying to say, anonymous, ancient, Danish person? What mm. girl you had a, that you had a crush on turned you down that you were like, okay, women are <laughs> going to be the most evil thing in my book, in my ancient song? Speaking of Grendel's mother, there is a fictionalization from Grendel's perspective. Ooh. Yeah, literally titled Grendel. I'm going to look up who it's by right now. Alright. It is by John Gardner. And it's the whole entire Beowulf myth from the perspective of Grendel. is published in the 70s. But in the book, he's kind of obsessed with the idea of, like, his mother will avenge him, but he doesn't want her to. I'm taken aback by how interestingly nuanced that is. So much more so than a single thing in this film. <laughs> I'm trying to put depth into this other than this movie was really shitty, but this movie was really shitty. This movie was really shitty. There was a moment where I realized the interior sets of the castle were just like particle styrofoam spray painted black. Oh no. So that, like it looks like rock and it's going to be dark in there anyway. So who cares? Oh no. That's so unfortunate. It very much is. Can we talk about Christopher Lambert for just a second? I'm not like other men. That you will have to prove. Sure, which one is he? He's Beowulf. Oh, okay. The walking piece of wood. <laughs> the walking piece of wood. I, I, I learned a thing that I'd never known before. 
that might explain this. Okay. So Christopher Lambert, like the rundown is he is a he is a semi-famous French actor. He made it big in um actually a Luc Besson film ironically enough and like he got his big sh- big shot playing a Scottish man in Highlander. And it was like, okay, dude, Highlander kicked ass. You're going to be a cult-like hero figure from now on. But let's throw you in every fucking movie we can. And it doesn't care about quality. Christopher Lambert apparently has never cared about the quality of the films he's been in. Not, not a lot of them are good. But here's the thing I never knew. Christopher Lambert suffers from myopia. Which means he has incredibly bad eyesight and cannot wear contact lenses. He could not see the entire movie. (laughs) Like anytime you see him, he has just taken off some glasses and handed them to the PA. (laughs) And can't see anything. (laughs) Oh. And like he does most of his own stunts. Blind. Wait, so... Wait. Wait. I don't know if he does all the acrobatics. Okay, I was going to say, that is impressive. It's impressive, period, to do a friggin' fight scene. (laughs) Like, yeah, of course it's gonna be awful. He's just swinging it randomly at blobs and hoping that he's doing this correctly. He's trying his literal best. (laughs) <laughs> leave Beowulf alone he's trying his best the, so so knowing that it does make me laugh so hard I laughed at this anyway there's a moment when like Beowulf and Kyra are interacting I think it's the first time he sees her and Christopher Lambert makes a choice to just like blatantly and directly look down at her tits and then look back up at her and I, I laughed at that because I was like, good for you, Christopher Lambert. You know what a piece of shit you're in. But now, like, even knowing that he was, like, totally blind, I don't know. It just makes it funnier to me. <laughs> oh, speaking of Kyra, we've barely talked about her, but she is insert hot widow character here. Insert um, hot widow character. Insert scantily clad without ever actually showing anything because again good agent (laughs) there's one scene where it's like the first dinner that she's eating with beowulf and her father and um she's wearing basically boy shorts and a bra but she's wearing a sheer dress over it right and it's like nice dinner as nice as you can be when you're under siege and like she gets up and flounces off and i'm like you are wearing nothing you are wearing next to nothing you could go into a lingerie store and come out wearing more clothing than you're wearing right now correct and half of the rest of the time she's in a a leather bodice that is much too tight I will say, she's, go ahead. She's girl stereotype for a science fiction movie. Yeah. I, I will say, I am here to see her rendition of the Cell Block Tango. <laughs> uh, well, he did have it coming. He did have it coming. He sounded like an incredible asshole. 
<laughs> yeah, I hate Ed. Oh, man. But no, she like... Because I'm sitting here like... It's just... It is so... She she, and by she, I mean, I don't mean Kyra. I mean the actress Rona Mitra. She was so just there for the paycheck and absolutely yeah. did not care what was put in front of her. And it's like, oh, I'm pretending I'm in love with him. OK, I'm pretending I'm in love with you. Gosh, that intercourse was so good. I'll love you, even though you're a half demon or some shit. <laughs> the script is awful the script is awful this is literally like plan nine bad from a writing perspective yes um the script is awful the sound design is awful we talked about the music the other thing i noticed you're not supposed to be able to tell when somebody redubs their lines like that's actually a really common (laughs) thing is you know somebody goes into a a studio and sits in a booth and re-records their own lines you're not supposed to ever be able to tell i could not stop noticing it the redubs <laughs> were so bad i'm convinced that they could not afford microphones on set Oof, duh. that's that's not great nope the editing is atrocious like, there's bad because you don't have money, and then there's bad because you don't know what you're doing. Like, there's a scene, there's the scene where Beowulf is fighting Grendel and eventually cuts his arm off. But, you know, it's him in the, I don't know, sewers? Whatever that was. Him in this pool area, yeah. Who's to say? The basement of the castle yeah. thing? And so he's having this climactic battle with Grendel, this one-on-one battle. And like three times they cut to the the uh, dining room where the rest of the cast is sitting quite literally like picking at their fingernails, sitting quietly, not really doing anything. And it blew my mind that you do that over and over and over you know why they were sitting there just picking their fingernails? Because they, they were... Didn't... <laughs> they didn't have uh, Delicious Carl's Jr. to keep them happy? Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, you're fine, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that my mind reading has has established itself across the miles between us. Well, when you're talking about a delicious uh, meal from Carl's Jr. Um, TM. TM. Who who couldn't uh, be on the same page as us? You know? I'm surprised that you, this movie would have been better if they had had a shot. I think we've said this about another movie. <laughs> this movie would have been better if they had had a shot of Rona Mitra sitting on top of a convertible, just nomming on a Carl's Jr. Nomi Malone style. <laughs> I just truly at this point it wouldn't have it truly wouldn't have shocked me because this movie was so preposterous and insynchronous. Yeah, I would have been like, oh, they do have a car. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. It's weird that, you know, she said there wasn't she being Kyra, sorry, said there wasn't any good food when there was delicious Carl's Jr. around, but you know. 
there's no accounting for bad taste as she <laughs> clearly has because she's interested in Beowulf. Oh, but... absolutely. Oh, did their romance bother you at all? Because it's like he comes, she hates him, then suddenly she loves him. Well, yeah, like you said, stereotypical tough girl protagonist or secondary protagonist. Like, yeah, it it bothers me in a way where it's so ineffectual that I'm I don't care. <laughs> it bothers me that I'm not more surprised by how shitty it is. Oh, that's fair. There you go. Uh, okay, Andy. Andy, okay. Okay. Is this cult? So, I don't think in the way that we normally talk about. Because this is this is not so bad it's good. This is so bad it's bad. But here's the thing. I mentioned that I saw this because my dad must have seen it in a blockbuster. Okay. And this had me thinking, and I I think, you know, 48 episodes in, this is a a good time to discuss it. We've mentioned it before. Blockbuster could save movies. Blockbuster and, and video release, home video release could like, revitalize projects that were totally gonna not make anything it it made showgirls what it is it made akira and ghost in the shell and i don't think these movies i don't think this movie is anywhere near those in quality but i remember walking down the aisles of blockbuster and staring at every movie because i'm a kid and why not and just seeing all this garbage all these shitty shitty movies in like the random aisles not the new release aisles but like the random wild aisles of blockbuster oh yeah and more than a couple of times i was graced with christopher lambert's visage (laughs) i don't think this movie is cult cult i think it's blockbuster cult which is like cult light yeah i mean you know, it's it's cult in that like I will be I will not be surprised if at least one person is like, oh yeah, I remember that Beowulf movie. And like that's that's a weird thing to say because like the whole point of cult is like it has a following. But like I don't expect that this has a following. But I expect sure. at least somebody else was like, Oh my god, they watched that? All right, I'll listen. <laughs> um, you know, beyond that, massive financial bomb. Um, it, it had a $3.5 million budget, which I'll say for the millionth time, when you're making a movie, isn't that much, especially in 1999. Um, mm-hmm. And not including whatever it got from Blockbuster, it made back $100,000. So that is a... Yikes. I can't do math quick, but that's like a three hundredth of the return. I want to say. Oh, I don't know. Don't ask me. You know, I can't do math. (laughs) This is fair. (laughs) Beyond that. Yeah. Like I, I I don't think this is quotable. I don't have a quote. You can't make me. (laughs) But with that said, (laughs) Stephanie, do you have a quote from this movie? I picked one and just 
Carl was saying something. Carl, the weapons master's nephew, who you've been calling Will. It was Carl. Well, no, Carl is the dude who was in love with Kyra. Carl, Carl is the, or no, that was Otto. You're right. Why did I call him Will? Oh, no, Carl is the weapon master's friend who, like, gets high or something and, and survives the movie, I think. Yeah, so I have a quote. Um, it's to Carl, the weapons master's best friend. There's one point where Beowulf says, Yeah, well, that's real helpful, Carl. And it's not even, like, funny. It's just funny in the sense of, like, proving the asynchronicity of the language where it's just like when are we right it's it's funny in the same way that if like in the middle of lord of the rings sam turned to frodo and was like come on dude (laughs) just throw the fucking ring in the fire yes exactly just throw it in the fucking volcano you (laughs) cunt Fair enough. I'm I'm happy you could get a quote out of that. I think it's always a little more fun when there's something that like you can you can remember from a movie like that. Um, you know, it's also really fun when every episode of Cult Fiction we give a movie, no matter how good or in this case really bad um, it is. An Oscar, because we like to think that all movies deserve an Oscar. Even this one, which sure. c- kind of doesn't, but we've got a few anyway. <laughs> Would you like to go first or shall I? I'll go first. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a little earlier that I have never heard of any of the production companies that made this movie. Um, okay. But I would like to give Beowulf the Oscar for best surprise connection to another cult fiction movie, which is a very niche Oscar. I think it's like, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, it's one of the first Oscars awarded because no one's paying attention yet. There is a studio called the Kushner Lock Company. Um, a couple of fun things about the Kushner Lock Company is it went out of business Um, You can still go to their website and it looks like it was like pre MySpace level, like web design. It's really horrifying, Mm -hmm. but the Kushner lock company also produced a little movie we're fond of called, but I'm a cheerleader. What? Yeah. Like they didn't make a lot of movies, but that was one of them. And the truly the thing about watching Beowulf that gave me the most joy in the entire experience was combing through IMDb and being really annoyed at these production studios and trying to be like, okay, what, 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 what do you people make? And then clicking on the Kushner lock companies, uh, Wikipedia and seeing that the thing they made was, but I'm a cheerleader and being like, you know what? I can see it. But that was such a better use of your time and money. So that is my Oscar for Beowulf. Is something that is like completely unrelated and not actually about the movie at all. Well, it's really hard to give this movie any Oscars. Indeed. So I I really scraped the bottom of the barrel, as did you, and I think that's okay. But I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try really hard. And give this movie an Oscar. So I give this movie an Oscar for best backflip. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that so much because that is so fitting. Because give this movie one thing. Beowulf backflips off a lot of shit. He super does. Like, even when he doesn't need to, or especially when he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. He's backflipping off banisters and guillotine platforms and just everything. And I can't imagine Christopher Lambert did those. But in my heart... I mean, I'm, I hope not. In my heart, I'm going to believe he did. Because a blind man just saying, fuck it, uh, the gu- like the Lord guides me and doing a sweet backflip off a platform is awesome. Well, maybe like his internal balance is better because, you know, maybe. Yeah. Like he just, he learned how to do the motion and is like, is there a mat in front behind me? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, let's do this. That is a really good Oscar. Speaking of. Speaking of, let's do this. Kevin Bacon? How can. (laughs) I mean, I was going to say, how can we connect this to Kevin Bacon? Oh, I know how. Yes. You know how? Would you like to go first? Yes, I would. Uh, You know, I mentioned earlier, um, this movie features an up-and-coming Patricia Velasquez who who really has, like, one of those TV careers where she's in, like, two episodes of just every damn show. Like, that's the kind of, like, steady work, but you don't really recognize her in anything, except... I recognized her very quickly as an ox in the moon from the mummy, which she was in with Brendan Fraser, who mm-hmm. was in the air I breathe with good old Kevin Bacon. Nice. Yeah. What do you um, got for me? Well, okay. First I would like to share. I did this one all by myself. Yay. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Normally I have, for those of you who are new to the show, normally I have my walking encyclopedia of a husband um, pick my Kevin Bacon's for me, but I actually watched this movie by myself and I thought, well, that's not fair. He shouldn't pick a Kevin Bacon for a movie he didn't watch. So Layla Roberts, our very own playboy Grendel's mom bunny, was a bit role in Armageddon. Huh. Okay. With Billy Bob Thornton. And as we all know, by this point, Billy Bob Thornton was in Jane Mansfield's car with Kevin Bacon. Excellent. I, I'm keeping a little tab of like the movies that we go to often. I did not expect Jane Mansfield's car to become one of them, but here we I find ourselves. Me neither. <laughs> well excellent i'm very proud of you for you know deciding that you were gonna buckle down and um do the thing good job thank you i'm proud of myself too good very good let's see if the crypt is proud of us uh as it decides our next film 
Every episode on Cult Fiction, we put our hands in the crypt and in fate through the application of a random number generator, um, which picks between currently the 293 films that we have on the docket. And Good lord, you're lucky you're cute. I know I am. And some of those movies are like real gems and some of them are diamonds in the rough and some of them are nearly the worst movie we've ever seen just like this uh next time on cult fiction we are going to be watching number 176 and number 176 is the stephen elliott 1994 musical i've often heard it called kind of like rocky horror Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Okay. I know nothing about this other than it is very popular to a certain generation of LGBTQ individual. Perfect. Well, also, if we're going to be accurate, the full title is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, my bad. No, you're, you're fine. I'm seeing it both ways. Um, and if you would like to follow along in our playing at home, um, you can watch this on Tubi TV for free at time of recording. Um, and YouTube and iTunes, I guess, if you're one of those weird people, and Vudu for $3.99. So if you're interested in supporting the arts... There you go. There's your options where you can pay for it. But that's all for this edition of Cult Fiction. If you want to keep up, you can follow us on Twitter at Cult Fiction Cast. You can also follow, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll close the crypt for now. But join us next time as we perform a shadow cast in the desert as we take in the 1994 musical... The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> You're so extra. It is the only way I know how to be. For Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Bowell.